five, four, three, two, one, Bazinga. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Houston, and I'm joined by Jordan Luke McDonald, as usual. Hello, hope you all have a good Christmas and uh, have a good New Year as well, because I don't think we're going to get another episode out before the New Year, so yeah, Happy New Year as well. <laughs> I very much doubt so. Um, yeah, how's your Christmas, Jay? It was pretty good. It was a bit different this year, my parents are separated, so it's been a bit of a different Christmas, but um, yeah, it was pretty good, you know, given the circumstances, uh, nice to have the day to see your family and such, so yeah, it was nice, and uh, lots of chocolate and cheese consumed, as, as mm. always, so <laughs> at least that stayed constant from, from previous years. How about you? Have a good Christmas? Nice. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was not too bad, I went around uh, family friends, and yeah, just, just the three of us had a... Had, uh, had the new stuff yeah it's safe so everyone it's a very different Christmas this year uh, obviously because of Covid um, but you know everyone keeps talking about how like not Christmassy it is but um, wait until New Year's and that's going to be like just another day right so yeah. I mean that's going to yeah. be even le- that's going to be less like normal than Christmas is mm-hmm. oh man I'm tired today man it's only like 10 o'clock but I'm fucking knackered I don't know why it's probably because you've been up for 23 hours again. <laughs> Last episode. Oh, I've been awake for 23 hours. <laughs> Grueling yeah. circumstances. Man, I was, yeah. Um, that, was, that was on Christmas Eve, which is when I got presents. And At least the Arsenal one. Yeah, the Arsenal one. I made 30 quid on that. So. And I used it on a psycho steelbook. So... City got COVID, didn't they? So there's no COVID. City there's got no postponed. So, yeah. No, no money was won on that game. As as, uh, as someone was telling me, they put a bet on a, a free throw accumulator, and then the city oh, game yeah. got cancelled. So yeah, refunded. And I think it should be time to get into ah, what we've been watching, Joe. And you've been watching stuff this week. You, the last few weeks you've been slacking, but you've got something to talk I've, about. I've, I've watched a couple of things. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, first up, um, we're gonna come on. I think we're both going to talk about one of the things, uh, so I'll, I'll leave that, which is Burrow, uh, a Pixar short. However, oh, yeah, another course. thing that I watched, uh, because basically we've been we've been really stingy on the Now Showing podcast, and we've uh, we've used the Disney Plus free trial to to watch uh, the the big film of this week, Soul, and also the. Uh... No, we didn't. I've <laughs> paid for a month. You paid for a month. Yeah, I already used the free trial before. Why didn't you tell oh, me? Yeah, I, I, why didn't you tell me? I, I haven't used a free trial. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, well, I paid for a month, so it's happy Christmas. That's your Christmas present happy to use. Christmas. I got a free. I got free a month of Disney Plus. Okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't know that. I I will happily pay for half of it. I didn't realize you'd paid it's for Christmas it. Pre- it's my Christmas present, man. What's what's your Christmas present? The Arsenal victory. I, I didn't give you that. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about Soul and Burrow uh, together. Mm-hmm. However, yes. I did watch another Pixar short film which came out this year, uh, Loop. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I have not. So it was one of the Pixar. What are they called? Spark shorts, I think they're called. Which are basically yeah. the uh, the Pixar projects where they get given six months and a limited budget to make a, a short film. 
Uh, so this one. So am I right in saying was... they they've come out with each film? So that would also come out with Onward. Is that right? I don't know because I was I've discussed this with a person I've wa- I watched Soul and like oh yeah that's another thing I want to talk about as well the Disney Plus uh, side of things. Uh, I want to talk to you. Well, I just mm-hmm. I might mention it now. Was the watch party feature being built into Disney Plus? Yes, I noticed that today. Yeah, which I really like. I know Amazon do this. Amazon have watch parties now, which is but that's fairly new. And Netflix yes. has Teleparty, which is like the third party f- unofficial thing. But um, I think Disney Plus yeah, so, must have been the so first Netflix one to do it. Then. Really? Yeah, probably. Well, I, th- I think I think Disney Plus must have done it first, and then Amazon like jumped onto the bandwagon almost. But yeah, anyway, so that's just another selling point for Disney Plus, which yeah. Uh, but Loop, sure. yeah. I th- well, this is what I was discussing because on the 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 library on on Disney Plus, I was thinking. There's loads of short films here that I've never heard of or seen. Like I've I've heard of Loop because I've heard a lot of people talking about it, but I've not seen it. But there's a bunch of stuff on there that I've never even heard of, and I'm thinking either they're all the stuff that got released with films I've not seen, like Moana or um, I don't know. I can't think of an example of a film I've not seen, but just films like that where they've come out with those films and I've just missed them. But I'm thinking maybe these. It's kind of good that Disney Plus has that because it's kind of a platform, I guess, for. Um, it means that the short films they're making, which also tend to be very good, aren't being sort of, you know, just sort of mm. shoehorned in with with big features. They're not having to rely on on big features to to get shown. People can actually watch them in their own right, which is which is really nice. So yeah, so Loop was uh, was a really interesting short film. I've heard a bunch of people talking about it. It's uh, it's about a nonverbal um, girl with autism. And she goes out on a canoe with uh, with this with this little boy, and it's kind of just about their experiences together, and kind of uh, he has to kind of understand and and sort of adapt his his like you know he what he how he how he acts and such um, to sort of accommodate for for the girl, and it's kind of them two mm-hmm. kind of understanding each other's experiences and each other's sort of. Uh, yeah, just kind of been yeah. It was just it was just a really interesting short film. I don't want to say too much, but I just would recommend it. It's only like ten minutes long, um, mm-hmm. and it's on it's on Disney Plus as well. So if you if you're not seeing that, and it's uh, it's a 2020 short film. Uh, so I was I'm I'm trying to go through a bunch of 2020 film films, um, especially with the whiskeys coming up, um, which the guys over at Music City Driving are doing. Uh, I wanted to try. I'm yeah. trying to get through this week, trying to just plow through. A lot of the 2020 releases that I've that I've not seen. I know there's a bunch of stuff coming to Netflix this week as well. Um, your favorite Baby Teeth, uh, Proxy, yes. which you've also seen, and a bunch of other things are going to be on. on there's uh, the Netflix. one with Joe Keery. What's it called? Um, what's it called? Uh, this you tweeted you tweeted about it earlier, didn't you? Oh, this Spree, yeah, this Spree. Spree, yeah. Uh, Spree, Baby Teeth, Proxima, Les Miserables, the not the not 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 the musical one, the other one. Yes. Uh, the, the newish kind of drama, and there's another yeah. film as well, which I can't remember what it was. Oh, uh, Saint Francis, um, which are yes, all Saint films Francis. I've been looking forward to seeing. So, yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, get those ticked off before Whiskey's uh, is, is finished. But yeah, I I'm think it's pretty as, as good as time for me to 
That's what to cut off. I think it's a pretty good time for me to just say that I forgot to do the intro, but <laughs> this week we are looking at the uh, Charlie Brooker um, kind of in the vein of his normal yearly wipes. This year they've done a 2020. It's like a kind of special with a, a series of celebrities uh, playing characters uh, that kind of represent different people in society um, looking and lampooning the events of 2020. And we'll also be looking at the Disney Pixar newest um uh, feature film Soul starring the likes of Jamie Foxx um, about and and, and a, quite, a, quite an ensemble cast including even the likes of Richard Iowati in there uh, which is looking yeah. at a, um, a jazz artist um, and you know maybe dying bef- uh, before his time and kind of trying to uh, f- find a way back into to real life um, so we'll be looking at those, and we'll also be talking, uh, as kind of previously mentioned by Jail, about Burrow, which is um, like a short film that goes with it. So just thought I'd quickly jump in there and, and actually say what we're doing this week uh, before yeah. you go on. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to get, like I said, I'm just trying to get through as much of, of 2020 as possible. Um, there's a bunch of other films. There's a couple of films on Apple TV which I'm actually debating getting the trial for, just so I can get through those. Um, on the Rocks, Boys State, and I think there's another one on there which I wanted to watch. I can't remember what it was. Wolf Walkers. That looks. Yeah, good. yeah. Wolf Walkers. That's it. Um, so trying to get through, mm-hmm. trying to get. Through, oh, I think Greyhound as well. Potentially, if I have time for it. Um, so yeah, just yeah. get through, get through some of those. And then another film I want to talk about that I watched literally within the past couple of hours. Um, was a film I've mentioned to you before. Uh, I hadn't gone out to watch it myself. Uh, the Netflix kind of documentary, kind of comedy. Uh, Dick Johnson is dead. Um, I watched that today. Oh, did you? Yeah, did you? Oh, that's good. That is good timing then. <laughs> I guess we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's kind of it's kind yeah. of been a week of of life, death, and existentialism this week for me with Soul, yeah. um, Death to Twenty Twenty, and then Dick Johnson is dead. It's kind of you know a yeah, lot about life yeah. and death, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, very very good. As a, as a, I thought it posed a lot of interesting questions about morality and. Um, and I guess made you understand the, the inevitability of death and, and kind of how you might deal with that when, when a, obviously a, a, a relative is involved. Obviously, everyone has to prepare for, for the, you know, the inevitability of their parents dying at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless you're you know, unlucky enough to die before they do. Um, and I thought that the it was filmed, it was very, very visually good. And I thought um, the especially the scenes of kind of the afterlife, which are featured throughout the film and cutting cut between it of um of, of Dick Johnson uh, kind of meeting his kind of dead wife in the afterlife I thought those scenes looked um like particularly beautiful um and, and and colorful and I thought that overall I think it shows just how good of a, a filmmaker his daughter is um obviously cinematographer that's worked on a lot of top film or top documentaries you know the, the Snowden one and and such uh, I really thought it was a thought it was very very good I was a big fan yeah, there's a there's a film actually that she directed, uh, Camera Person, 2016. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I now want to go try and seek out because uh, yeah, this was this was great. I think the one the one thing I will say about Dick Johnson is Dead is that it was not what I expected. I'd heard I heard kind of the vague premise and having read the description of it, where it describes the reenactment or the at least the staging of these kind of fantastical. Um, deaths and and such. I kind of expected it to be, I don't know, less of a documentary, I guess, and more of like a comedy. 
But it, what what it was, it, what it was at face value was still, um, as you mentioned, visually very engaging and you know very interesting in terms of the way it presents the the issues mm-hmm. and themes of like life and morality and and death and, and so that it proposes throughout the film. Um, yeah, and I I did quite like those afterlife scenes, but I did feel like at some times they kind of felt a bit out of place or a bit sort of awkwardly cut in, as you mentioned. They kind of placed throughout, and at times I kind of I don't know. I maybe wanted a bit more of the um the kind of surreal kind of meta self-aware death skit parody things um but i guess as as time goes on and, and you become sort of increasingly aware about his his condition and his memory loss it kind of maybe would have been a bit um well it definitely would have yeah, been challenging to more challenging to, to, to go with through yeah, those, as is addressed in the film at one point so um yeah no it was, yeah, it was still what it was it was very uh it was very interesting and very intriguing concept and as I said, not more expected, but still very fully enjoyable and very interesting. So yeah. What you? Yeah, I've definitely talked about that one. Uh, well, I'm watching. Yeah, I was watching that. That that was one of the two films I was going to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of talk about that for for best documentary and and to be nominated as one of the documentaries. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that that did um, get get Oscar talks. Um, whether it went it itself, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, other than that, that was going to be one of mine, and I kind of got mine out there. I'd also say that yesterday I watched, because we're not really recording these too far apart, especially Christmas involved in the middle. Um, I watched Dolomite Is My Name, um, the Eddie Murphy oh, um, yeah. comedy semi biopic. Uh, I think pretty strongly biopic, actually. I think it's quite close to actually what happened uh, but with the comedy slant. Um, about a kind of failed musician, failed comedian who decides to um, take on the, st- the the tales and the stories and the f- kind of almost the folklore of um, kind of contemporary uh, black hobo culture of the time in the seventies and turn that into his act um, and kind of how he starts to make it and, and how he deals with with then make trying to make a movie. Um, I thought I kind of part of me came into this. I'd heard about this um, quite a lot. It came out in 2019, uh, and I kind of heard this a lot about like our film that was underrepresented, and and I kind of almost part of myself almost thought that it was going to do for me um, to to Murphy like what Uncut Gems did to Adam Sandler, and it, to that degree, it was not that. It was kind of just a typical Adam, Eddie Murphy film, but very good. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought the costume design and set design was excellent. The music was great. Um, but yeah, it was nothing world class. I, I thought it was just a very good film and, and quite funny. Um, and, and yeah, shed some light on, on one of those kind of major key figures in, in those, uh, black exploitation films of the late to, uh, the mid to late seventies. Uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was that. Uh, I will say before we move on, uh, the, we're recording this on the 29th. Um, which means that three days ago, on the twenty sixth Boxing Day, marks six months since we recorded our f- uh, we released our first episode. Jail, uh, Blade Runner. Well, I mean, I'm not a fan of those people who talk about six month anniversaries because an anniversary is, you know, derived from annual or annum, <laughs> which you know means year. Yeah. So having a six month anniversary is not a thing. However, six month okay. celebration I will accept. Yeah. Okay. Six. six <laughs> no, months no, it's, it's, it's a six-month landmark. It's to be fair. It's it's kind of felt a lot less than that, but also at the same time, it feels like I've been in this for a long time. So I don't know. It's kind of one of those mm-hmm. 
strange situations where you feel like you've done something forever and then at the same time it feels like it's flown by. So, yeah, it's been a, it's yeah. been a good six months then. It's been a good six months. I think 22 episodes under our belt now, which is um, quite quite a decent amount in six months. Um, but yeah, obviously we're hoping to make more. And we'll be talking about six months uh, in our special. We're going to be making on the 4th, but I'm going to reveal more of that when it comes close to it. Um, I don't know about the 4th, but that's, that's why I have it earmarked. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, a lot of time, a lot of interesting things going down in Sam's watch list. A lot of interesting things going down in the Now Showing podcast. And without further ado, I think it's time to talk about Death to Twenty Twenty, which, much like I'm celebrating and earmarking uh, the end of uh, the, the 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 passage of time in the Now Showing uh, world, uh, Death to Twenty Twenty t- is aiming to bookmark. Uh, provide an end to the extremely eventful world of of 2020 and everything that happened there um, by taking a series of well-known actors and actresses um, and and using them um, to convey Charlie Brooker's comedy message, uh, political satire, uh, lampooning uh, politicians and uh, people involved in the news and everything that made 2020, of course, a very uh, unique, a very remarkable, a very unforgettable, yet still quite forgettable year in many ways. You know, like the events are unforgettable, but the entirety of like the first six months, uh, six months of the year are pretty much the same thing over and over. Um, but yeah, so they, they, they took, took a look at that. And, you know, replacing kind of the, the yearly wipe concept, it's not um, as much Charlie Brooker uh, moaning and raving. It's it's more of a, a kind of narrative format. Um, but, yeah, so me and you are both fans of Charlie Brooker's previous work. Of course, you know, the Black Mirror, uh, Black Mirror being his, his most notable thing. But other than that, you know, the wipes and, and a lot of um, kind of UK programming around that kind of subject. Uh, so... Okay, we both come to this with quite high hopes, uh, high expectations, and watching this, did you really think they met them, or how do you feel about Death to 2020? Uh, Death to 2020, for me, was the epitome of 2020. Uh, it went on far too long, <laughs> and got worse as it went on. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think, I, I would say it was entertaining, but underwhelming. I think that's probably a, a very much a headline. I don't know if you would agree, but I think the opening 20... is obviously like 70 minutes long, so the opening 20, 30 minutes were, I thought, extremely funny and kind of in line with what I was expecting, very much, you know, you know, Brooker, um, you know, at his kind of, you know, typical self, but not, not in any, any derogatory way, just, you know, it was what I expected and what I was wanting from the programme. I think some of the some of the jokes that were used throughout and some of the comedy and some of the things that were said and and what had already been kind of said and done felt very much like a rehash of of what's already been said about the year and it's kind of interesting as well though because this all comes in spite of the fact that it's been released on the twenty seventh of December and twenty twenty's not even over yet so <laughs> I mean maybe it could have yeah. I don't know if it would have been any better if it was released sort of a couple of months um, into the next year and maybe given a bit more of a retrospect and 
you know, a bit of a reflection really in terms of having a month or two of next year to sort of really think back over it. But I mean, how much things will have changed in the next coming months, we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I think overall, I'd say it started off strong and then kind of sort of whimpered out really. I think some of the jokes towards the end didn't really work for me at all. Or at least just kind of maybe the the comedy didn't really sustain throughout at least. And um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what, what did you think? I, I mean, I was expecting a lot from this well, on, on the back of Brooker's other stuff. And it didn't necessarily live up to my expectations. Well, yeah, I'd say much like you. You know, I'd say it was like 2020. Uh, you know, I uh, I had a lot of promise coming into it. But um, I was let down massively. Um, I thought that I don't think that particularly the first twenty minutes or thirty minutes were, were any better than the last. To be honest, I, I really was disappointed throughout. I thought, you know, what a cast they had: uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Hugh Grant, Lisa Kudrow, um, uh, Diane Morgan, uh, Tracy Ullman, you know, Lawrence Fishburne. Like they had such a good cast, and obviously one of the the, the funniest writers for me uh, you could get in in out of England. Uh, it's just like the, the the concept of it was, you know, so like almost watertight, safe. You know, it was like, oh, that's going to be great. Right? It's going to be, you know, it's just like I knew what I was going to get. I, I thought I knew what I was going to get. It's like, you know, I didn't. I was genuinely shocked about how childish the comedy was, how easy the jokes were. You know, as I said, there was nothing. You know, there's no yeah. hard hitting political satire here it was you know they're making jokes about flossing and you know i just i just throughout it i I thought the the uh it did vary i think generally from character to character and there were definitely things that you know areas where where brooker felt more comfortable and, and and i thought samuel jackson's character was like good good value i thought his his character his um reporter i think he was or a journalist or whatever um was probably the highlight with it's funny throughout um but then uh the i believe it's samson ko is is the the name of the guy that played yeah the, well he he's uh, in yes um, he no i was gonna say he was in the famalan program the bbc free program that i watched that i mentioned a, couple, a, oh, really? a month or two ago mm-hmm. um which was very much more Hard hitting in its in its commentary on political and social issues. Yes, so he he played a uh, doctor, a scientist, and it was so painful. I, I it was just joke after joke that could have been written by, you know, it felt like a YouTube rewind. You know, what I mean, it was really really immature stuff, and it it was just so nothing and. Um, yeah, as I say, throughout which you know, I was just really disappointed by the comedy. To be honest, I just thought that there were good moments, there were funny bits, and I, I chuckled. I thought the general um, kind of segues and, and narration that, that Fishburne did was was generally quite funny, but a lot of the interviews just seemed f- unfunny, forced. Um, you know, I thought Hugh Grant's character was shit. Uh, I really thought that it was really, really just a, a bunch of, of yeah. nothing that a fifteen-year-old could have wrote. I think, I don't know, it's interesting because obviously it's like a Netflix thing with like a massive budget and obviously, well, Black Mirror is the same, but mm-hmm. I got the sense of this, that comparing this to like the the general, the Channel 4 wipes that Brooker used to do and, uh, you know, the Philomena Kunk sketches with Diane Morgan, the moments of wonder and um, yeah, those sorts of things. I feel like having the massive budget, 
you know, you can attract all these big stars like Samuel Jackson and Lawrence Fishburne and stuff, but it kind of also means that, especially given the nature of what it is, you need to kind of maybe tailor your comedy and tone it down in certain areas and play up more to certain other parts and, and sort of play to more of a general audience, whereas I think maybe the the audience that would watch the, the weekly and the yearly wipes aren't necessarily the same audiences that are going to be attracted to watch Death to 2020. Obviously, we did because we're, we're such a big fans of his comedy, but I feel like a lot of people who wouldn't be interested in his other work maybe would be drawn towards this. Obviously, Netflix have put a, a lot of uh, promotion and, and backing behind it and finances as well. So and maybe that's perhaps partly down part, partly to blame for for what was what we thought was um a bit lackluster in in the comedy uh, area. I think in terms of as well just one of the sort of big uh, criticism I'd have of the film was it kind of felt it kind of felt like it was failing to determine whether it wanted to play up to American or British audiences. Obviously Brooker, you know, starting out um with you know predominantly British audi- British audience and then Black Mirror and, and those other projects like Bandersnatch and, and such, yeah. which brought in a lot of, you know, American audience and a big Netflix following. So I think it kind of felt at times like it was flip-flopping between British-focused comedy, American comedy, British topics, you know, American topics. I mean, I've watched... Um, he, did a, he did a special wipe um, called the Anti-Viral Wipe, which was... Yeah. released I believe in the summer and it was kind of a look over just the you know the coronavirus pandemic and the, yeah, the first response lockdown. and such yeah and um, this kind I mean the 20, Death of 2020 reused some of the jokes from that and obviously had to focus on other issues uh, there was you know references to the Black Lives Matter protests and the following subsequent discussions around race and racism and a whole bunch of other issues that were that were brought up um, in and the Donald Trump stuff and and so on and the and the American election, uh, but it, it did feel like having watched that that it kind of felt this this felt even more flat towards the end especially because it was reusing the jokes from the antiviral wipe, um, but in delivering them in a less comedic way, uh, it wasn't even taking the some of the best jokes from that. It was taking some of the sort of more middle of the park jokes and. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that was partly because, as I say, it was tailing towards the American audience as well, whereas the antiviral one was 99% focus on British issues, and, and therefore, you know, it could, you know, it knew what its audience was, and I found its feet a bit better, and, and the comedy worked a bit better, but, yeah, disappointing, I think, overall. I would say, I'd say I'd still enjoyed the first part maybe a bit more than you did, and overall, mm. I'd say... I'd say what it wasn't a disaster, but I feel like it could have been a lot better, and that's probably, as I've talked about before, plays into our uh, estimations of it because it kind of, you know, felt a bit underwhelming. Yeah, say so I think, you know, I think I, I agree with the majority of what you said, and and you, and you said uh, I think you know it did an okay job at, at maintaining UK and America, uh, UK and UK, UK and UK, UK and US audiences. <laughs> I think it did a decent job of balancing those. I'm tired by the way, but I think, yeah, I kind of think when you touched on it a little bit um, about the uh, Philomena Kunk, was it Philomena? Is that how it was called? Philomena, was it? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the, that. That, well, well, she's not actually that. She's not playing that character in. This no, no, but what, yeah, I was just thinking that I forgot the name of of the the thing. Uh, Diane yeah. Morgan, yeah. No, not no. I'm saying it. Diane Morgan's that plays the that Philomena Kunk character, mm-hmm. um, and that is such like surrealist. 
um, kind of out there humor that definitely appeals to a very specific sense of humor. Um, and you contrast that character that she plays there, uh, and, and to the character that she plays on this, and it's basically just uh, a bunch of you know Trump bad. You know, it's just like you know, look, I make Lenin look right wing, right? But it doesn't like it doesn't mean that like it's just funny to be like, oh, Trump person of color, lol. You know, what I mean, it's yeah, like it's, it just yeah, it's such easy comedy. I think as well though is that. I mean, this isn't necessarily Charlie Brooker's fault, but I mean, it's kind of become so easy to make jokes about Donald Trump that, you know, he kind of, mm. or in a way, Donald Trump is, is satire in himself. <laughs> so just to just yeah. to point and say Donald Trump, haha, uh, at, you know, every other sentence doesn't necessarily feel like original comedy, and well, it's not. So yeah, I mean, that's maybe part of the reason as well because a lot of the jokes, as I said before, felt reused and rehashed not only from Brooker's other work but also from the general public and the media and so on but also just because yeah the comedy itself in in most parts wasn't particularly great and and the characters as well as you mentioned the Hugh Grant character was I think I think he had two or three jokes maybe laugh the rest of it was absolutely awful and whether that's down to writing or delivery I don't know but I mean film the Daryl Morgan character as you said was absolutely nothing compared to the Philomena Cunt character so yeah, I guess I guess mm-hmm. writing probably is is the main factor there, unfortunately. Yeah, so I would be inclined to give this between a three and a four out of ten. There were definitely bits that made me laugh, but it, overall, yeah. how disappointed I was, yeah, it feels in that three or three to four range for me. Okay, I think I'm a bit more positive overall. I think the opening was a bit stronger than uh, than you thought it was, and um, I mean overall, I think. Brooker's work kind of resonates with me anyway, so I, I don't know, maybe like a five, five and a half, that kind of range. Nothing amazing, but it wasn't a complete disaster, as I said before. Okay. Fair enough. And I think that should move us on to our Pixar section. Um, so we're going to be looking at Soul, um, which is, you know, I guess one of the... the I seem to talk about every single week. I said the same phrase, but one of the more anticipated films of the year. Um, but before that, we'll get to the B feature, the uh, one of the spark shorts that you kind of talked about earlier. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Burrow. Not too long. It's a little six-minute long short. It's on Disney Plus, and um, showing a a little uh, little rabbit trying to uh, f- make his own little burrow uh, in 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 the in the ground in the dirt um, but he keeps getting uh, other people he keeps finding his way into other people's burrows and he kind of feels a bit claustrophobic and he's trying to get some space for himself uh, but he keeps running into more and more people and, and his little challenges of trying to, to find the burrow of their dreams um, and it was charming jail and I was as much like you know, remember I saw it was it was not as emotion uh, destroying, causing that bow was the one that came out with Incredibles two that got me a bit teary in the cinema before <laughs> the film even started. But um, the art style was uh, very very good, and it was a nice little heartwarming story. And I, was, I was a big fan, Jail. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the Pixar shorts are always great. I mean, bow as you mentioned, there was one I saw which I'd never seen before. 
uh, when I went to watch, I think it was Inside Out at the cinema uh, before lockdown two, and it was um, I think what was it called now? It's about a volcano. That's all. I that's what I remember. I don't. Know, it might. It might be called. I can't remember what it's called. It's about a volcano who's lonely in the ocean. But anyway, they're always great. The Pixar shorts, and uh, I agree. Very heartwarming. I thought the the music with this one was uh, was great, and the art style as you mentioned was uh, was very appealing. Very pleasant animation. Mm-hmm. Um, very not Pixar. Right and Pixar. Yeah, I yeah I agree actually. Um, kind of. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, there's definitely. It almost a... resembles in the art style a little bit like the two D style that is attracting me so much to watching Wolfwalkers, which mm-hmm. is out yeah. on the Apple Plus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to I don't know what to say about this one really because like, I I liked I like the story. I like the sort of comedy and the visual and. The visual comedy and and such, and the it's very heartwarming. And as as I mentioned, the music was great. But I, d- I don't know. It's hard to like. There's no. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no faults that I have with this short. But I feel like I wasn't very. I was kind of left thinking. Well. Yeah, it, it was. It was good. But like, what? What do you? What do you want me to feel? What? What do you want me to yeah. think? Like, what are you? What are you trying to say about? About like. I mean, I, I guess these, these very generic and, and broad themes and messages you can you can talk about, but I mean, I think a lot of the a lot of the Pixar shorts have had more clear and more interesting messages. This one just felt a bit generic. I don't know um, what you thought. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I th- it didn't really, you know, like the the. Compare it to Bow, and it had a very clear message with the, the kind of empty nest syndrome, and 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 dealing with with uh, you know the 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 feeling of of kind of what do you do now? Your kids are gone. You spent so long dealing with uh, raising them, and then you're just one day you're just empty. Um, and yeah, there's not really the strong message uh, other than one for for family and friendship uh, in Barrow. But for a, a six minute short film. That is, is designed to have accompanied this in a cinema. I think it does a good job of, of just uh, lightening the mood and, and getting you into the vibe. And uh, I don't think it's, it's the best thing I've ever seen, but I thought it was yeah, generally pretty nice, pretty good. I think maybe, I mean, I didn't realise this had been released or that it was attached to Soul in any particular way. I mean, I'm assuming this was the one that was, would have been released in the cinemas with, with it. Yeah. Because I ended up watching this after Soul, so perhaps as I mean, yeah, me I don't want to give any spoilers to my thoughts on Soul, but perhaps having watched Soul first, um, you know, this kind of yeah, maybe if I'd watched this first, it would have set the movie for Soul, as you, as you mentioned, a bit better rather than the other way around. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it's kind of hard to talk about like short films anyway, especially animated short films. But I feel like this one in particular was kind of just. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad I watched it. It was a nice short film, um, and I'm glad it exists. But does it really change my? Does it really sort of inf- impact me in any meaningful, in, in, in like you know, big way? Not really. Um, mm. I, I kind of watched it and thinking, you know, those films like it just applies to any film, I guess, not necessarily just short films. But you know, those that times you sit down, you watch something, and you go. There's nothing out to changed about that, and this and 
you know, there's nothing yeah. that I think could be massively improved. But you know, it's kind of like, well, how do I judge that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I didn't rate it or anything, but yeah, yeah. it was just not something nice to watch. But um, that's enough talking about a short film show. Let's get into the main big picture. Let's talk about Disney Pixar's latest release, Soul. Of course, Disney Pixar, one of the most consistent movie-making studios uh, ever. Uh, obviously, Toy Story, Wally, Ratatouille, Finding Nemo, whatever comes to mind for you, Incredibles. Um, and this is the the latest in a long line. Apparently, they made another one this year. I didn't even. I completely forgot on what existed, and I haven't seen it yet. And I probably will watch it now. Um, what do you mean? Onward came out this year, isn't it? That's Pixar. Oh, you're not seeing Onward? No, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I completely forgot it existed. And like, people were like, oh, the second one of the year. I was like, what? And I've completely forgotten what existed. And I'll need to watch that because I want to watch every film that's going to get nominated uh, yeah. for an Oscar. And I think it probably will. Um, I saw it in cinemas after like a few months after it came out, like on a re-showing. Yeah, yeah, when in COVID cinemas. I remember you vaguely, t- vaguely remember you talking about it on the pod. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Soul was the second Pixar film of the year. And as I kind of previously mentioned, it is the story of a aspiring, he's a jazz teacher who spent his whole life uh, not, you know, not really making it, always wanting to, to go on and, and really show his talent, but never getting the opportunity. And then one day through through connections he gets the opportunity to play with, with one of his most respected heroes in, in jazz and he's so excited and he's got all these big plans and then walking out of work uh, he falls down a manhole and he dies and he wakes up as a as a soul as the film describes as the title describes and he immediately um, breaks out into the um, the the great before what is that what we're called mm-hmm. um, yeah and um, as as a soul is a soul creature uh, in in the land before uh, souls are born before they become humans. Um, it kind of the it shapes your personality or whatever and he ends up in that place trying to mentor a particularly uh, fiendish soul number num- name 22 in uh, in the aim of nurturing it and then stealing its past to earth and going back to earth uh, so that's the premise I'm going to go back into actually what happens anymore uh, because people don't watch the film but uh, it's got a lot of praise so far, um, and it's kind of, I think, the second highest rated Pixar film, uh, according to mine and your film uh, application of choice, Letterboxd. Um, so yeah, I'll see where we give it, where we both go for, but um, I'll, you know, I'll let you take the, uh, take the wheel on this one. What did you think of Sal? I'll go first again. Okay. Uh, first of all, I just that's wanna... the that's the best thing about being the host is that I just get to like I just think oh I'll let him do it and then I'll back piggyback <laughs> off him. Well, I mean, first of all, what I want to say to open it is what a massive shame that we didn't get to watch this in the cinema because oh yes, I, mean, I agree. We've talked about the animation style and you know you mentioned before about how the animation style of Pixar is a bit more of a consistent through line and how Burrow might have broken it a little bit, but I mean this was like unbelievable animation like beautiful animation um i mean we, we, those the, new york city scenes it just looked like it could come out of a, of a of a live action film it was so detailed and there were so many different moving parts and it looked so so good 
Yeah, I mean the, the one the one moment that's just gonna sound really stupid. <laughs> there was one moment where I just was watching the film and I just thought, "Oh my god, this is animated!" And this is gonna sound stupid. It was when he was sat down playing the piano and I was just watching him and he had this like jumper, like this knitted jumper on. And you could see, you could see like the little fuzz, like the fuzzy, like bobbles on the jumper. And I was just yeah. thinking, oh, like I remember the, the absolute like high praise and, you know, deserved it that Toy Story 4 got for its animation, you know, mm-hmm. the cart and, you know, just some of the cinematic techniques that were kind of you know, you'd expect from, like, a live-action camera, but which had been, like, transposed onto animation. And this was just stepping up another level. I mean, I I just want to see in the next five, ten years how, you know, how the animation develops and changes and improves because the animation was just gorgeous. I wanted to just open with that because, I mean, we'll talk more, we'll, we'll talk in detail now about, you know, what we thought of the story and and the characters and, and the themes and whatever, but I just wanted to open it with... You know, since mm-hmm. it is an animated film, just how gorgeous it looked and how sad it is that we didn't get to watch it in the cinema. Um, yeah. You've got your glorious 4K, <laughs> which I'm sure it wasn't too bad for you. But um, I uh, I didn't watch it in 4K, I'm afraid. You didn't? No, I watched it downstairs with Mum. She loves kids' uh, films. Yeah. Okay, well, you still... Okay, well... I can really watch it in 4K, which I guess might yeah. give you a hint that I did think the film was quite good. Um, yeah, I mean, how, where do I start? I mean, okay, I mean, I've already started. Where do I go on? Um, <laughs> I mean, Pete Doctor, who directed this, has done Inside Out, Up, Monsters, Inc., the first one, and then he's done this. Like, that I mean, is... this, I, Okay, this is going to get me into the thing. I don't, I, I don't know, this is ignorance, right? Yeah. What a director really does on an animated film I, I, I think this is a, a, a thing for me like I can't envisage what that really means and I've always ha- kind of always been <laughs> too embarrassed to ask anyone but do you know what I mean I always I, I understand very clearly everything a director does on a set mm-hmm. but when you're free of the set is that just because you're not doing the cinematography in angles obviously that's a cinematographer so you know you're not the script writer what what well, do you know? Do you know? I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but well, I mean, he also wrote it as well, though the film. Oh, did he? Oh, I see. Well, that changes. So, it, well, I guess, he, but... well, he, so he's written a bunch of uh, the Pixar films. So, the films I mentioned are the ones he's directed. But then, uh, on top, of, so he's the, all the films he's directed, he's written. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he also wrote, or I'm not sure if he wrote solely or he was a co-writer, but he was involved with the screenplay for Wall-E, Toy Story Two. Um. So yeah, those two extra films on top of the ones that he directed by himself, like he directed. So I think, yeah, in terms of like animation direction, I guess it's more just. I guess, I don't know. I always saw animation as more of like a as more. I mean, I know filmmaking is collaborative by nature, but I always saw the animates animation directors as being like as more like a collaborative thing. Because obviously, yeah. you, as you mentioned, you don't have like a camera, so you well. I mean, it depends what uh, what animation style you're using, but mm-hmm. I mean, in this instance, yeah. I mean, you need to. I think the role. I, I don't know exactly. I'm not. And this is just a guess, but 
I'd imagine it's more about kind of working with the writer, or if you are the writer, obviously, you know, <laughs> you can't really work yourself, but I mean, um, looking at kind of how the story, how you want the story to progress and, and how you, you know, working with the animation team to sort of storyboard and think about like shots and um, like, you know, what you want to be, what you want to be shown on screen and how you want it to be represented, how it sort of visualizes and changes and, mm. You know, obviously, mm. I think there's a, there's a lot more scope in animation for very engaging and unique sort of editing choices, so transitions and such, there's a bunch of those in Soul. So I think it's more just like, mm-hmm. it's kind of, I don't know, just kind of more of like a mm. overseeing everything and making sure it kind of fits with the story that's been written or with the story that you've written. But I don't exactly know the yeah. answer, um, but that's just kind of what I imagine. Um, but I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, to be so able, it's kind to of be, your point of Pete Bilter. Yeah, no, just to be involved as a as a director of those four films. I mean, in my opinion, each of those is better than the last. So uh, that's that's kind of another spoiler film. But yeah, I mean, I, one thing another thing I'll say is this is something which I feel like often gets kind of neglected in animation reviews um especially from like the general public is they'll they'll go oh it looked really good or uh the soundtrack was good or whatever or, the story was good uh are you the characters say about the were interesting say it again sorry are you gonna are you gonna say about the acting the voice acting yeah mm-hmm. excellent because this Absolutely film excellent. the voice acting was so good Mm. I didn't even realise it was Jamie Foxx until halfway through <laughs> yeah I mean I wouldn't have ne- if I didn't know it was him like from the trailer, I wouldn't have had a probably wouldn't have had a clue it was him. Um, yeah. But I mean, you mentioned before Richard Iwadi, obviously Graham Norton's in there as as like a minor yes, character. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is I don't know if this was just because watching it at home and it kind of sounds different to a cinema or whether it's uh, any I don't know, but it, it sounded to me at least the voice acting not only sounded very well like performed by the voice actors but it also sounded very clear and very clean like it sounded I don't yeah know very good sound it, mixing yeah that, like, i think it, that that's yeah. where it comes from yeah very good sound mixing I'd yeah agree. so it just sounded very yeah very clear and clean and yeah it, it was yeah it was great and i mean we haven't even talked about the story yet or <laughs> the characters or anything like that but i mean just gushing over the tech not like the the technical side of things um I mean, I would be very surprised if this wasn't up there for a, a lot of awards because, on a technical level, it was, and you know, the the voice acting was just top notch. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you, is there anything else you want to add in before we sort of go in a bit more of a deep dive in in terms of story and and stuff like that? Hmm, I mean, I just think on a technical level, what what I could say that you haven't, as I said, yeah, it, it I think with animation, obviously. Um, time and technology is obviously constantly evolving to a greater and, and you know extent than than cinema is. I'm not saying that obviously, um, you know, film quality increases it constantly. You know, as they're up to 4K now, but you know it's a much slower progression. And you know, but every single uh, film is going to look Pixar. You know, big budget 
it's going to look better than the last. Um, but it doesn't mean that I, it's not worth mentioning that this is the best looking Pixar film ever. Uh, this, from a CGI standpoint, might be the the best CGI film visually ever. Um, in my opinion, um, I don't know how you'd stand on that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, not not a particularly you know just adding on from that you know as I said I, I think technically um, from I thought the the editing I, I think um, this is kind of going in quite late on but I think one of the criticisms I have heard of Soul um, was the pacing it was particularly fast uh, and that's a and from a completely personal level and it's almost something I descri- described last week when we talked about Ma Rainey that's fine with me that that is how i enjoy cinema and i i enjoy fast pace and i enjoy events to to a degree and i think that's an, a narrative thing but it's also an editing thing um to to make it it feel like something's constantly happening and i thought that 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 was worked for the story and it also worked yeah and because of the editing a lot of it and i, I thought that was as strong uh, throughout that was not an issue for for me um, but yeah, otherwise, technically, music, excellent, uh, mixing, as you say, excellent, voice acting um, was, was world class. I thought Tina Fey was, was great in kind of uh, both forms of her character. Um, yeah, so yeah, technically, just superb, superb. I, I'm going to, uh, you um, know, I'm gonna, before we go on, I'm going to say my, my, my mission statement, which is um, I have not seen Onward, right? I should have, I have not seen Onward. I have not seen Wolfwalkers yet. I have not seen Over the Moon. I have not seen The Croods. I have not seen any of those films. But I, and I will see those films. But I don't need to, to tell you this film is the first film this year that I can say is 100% a lot for an Oscar. Because even, because even Chadwick Boseman, who I thought put in maybe one of the performances that might end up being one of the performances of the decade. I thought that last week, is still going to be competing against Anthony Hopkins. I'll be so unbelievably surprised if Soul didn't win Best Animated Feature. And I almost can go to say that I think Soul deserves to be nominated for Best Picture. So, yeah. Wow. Boom. Wow. Has... Wait, wait, hang on. Has an animated film ever been nominated for Best Picture? Yes, um, Beauty and the Beast in 1991. Okay, that's the only time. Yeah, I think. Because one thing I did find out this past week or so was that documentaries can be nominated for Best Film, but can't be nominated for Best Director, I believe. Really? That's a strange I one. think it's that way around. Did you like that, that film knowledge from me there, by the way? The Beauty and the Beast one? Yeah. I, f- I thought you googled it to be honest. <laughs> no, I because it's because I no, got no, the Guinness no, World Records really, really. my Guinness Book World Records my birthday last week. Oh, okay, no, I I didn't really think you googled it. I was just joking. Um, nice. I wow, that's a big statement. But I also, yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised at all. I don't think in another year it would, but twenty twenty because let's be honest, it hasn't been as strong as it has previously. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, if if. All the films that were scheduled to come out this year had been released, and they were as good as we think they're going to be. You know, there's the Wes Anderson film, um, is Edgar Wright's film throughout this year originally. I can't remember. There's obviously June and a bunch of other big blockbuster films that were due French out. French Dispatch. Yeah, yeah, that's the Wes Anderson one. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. 
Um, yeah, there's a bunch of films that were supposed to come out this year that you know would would have been up there. But I think, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'd even. I don't think it will be nominated. You don't think it will? I don't think it will be nominated for Best Picture, but I w- it's just I my personal. It, I hope it is. I mean, but I don't think it will. If I was doing the Oscar nominations, I wouldn't nominate the film that will probably win Best Picture, which is Trial of Chicago Seven. You think that's going to so, win Best Picture? Well, yeah. Spoilers for when we talk about the Oscars. I think that's going to be Best Picture, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess we'll get out of that in a few weeks' time. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I, I honestly, that's how strongly I feel about Soul. Is that I think that uh, in a year where we have been uh, maybe not had the, the, the same output as we did uh, most years, especially not you know compared what? to 2019, yeah, I, I, I think Soul, personally, I'd, I'd say deserves a nomination. Uh- Okay, well, you you said that Soul is a lock for best animated film, as in to win it, yeah. right? Right, yeah. Okay, Definitely. okay. Based based on based on what you know from what I have said, what's the one category this year that I was ninety nine percent sure of a winner for? Can you remember? Best animated feature. No, no, no that from films that I'd already seen before I watched Soul. Um. There was one category where I was adamant that a film was going to win. It had to win. There was no competition. If it didn't win, it was a joke. <laughs> oh, was it Tenet for visual effects? No, it was Tenet for score. Oh, yes, yes. Having watched Soul, I can safely say that I would be very happy if Ludwig Göransson does not win the Oscar because the score for Soul was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Like... Uh, yeah, that, that's that, a great nominate, battle please, between them two. Please nominate, please. <laughs> I I'll be hard pressed to choose between those two. I I really don't actually know. That is that's a great great discussion piece. Was Tenet or Soul have the best? Score I think I think on the balance of things, I would want Tenet to win. Mm, um, yeah, probably. Just because I think that score was great, and I don't think it's going to win in other categories where I'd like it to. Um, but yeah, I mean. Soul was, you know, Soul was the only film this year where I can safely say that it was on a par with with Tenet's score. So that's mm-hmm. massive credit in itself because, uh, yeah, I mean, they just just some of the scenes like, um, just some of the, like some of the music was just perfectly composed for the scenes that it was the score that it was used in. I think um, and the characters that it was used for. With with Whiplash, I watched Whiplash, and then I watched, um, uh, and then I watched Ma Rainey, and then I watched this, and then I watched uh, Dolomite, and and all of them are all music films. Uh, Dolomite, not to a degree, but is very strongly about music in the early parts because he's a failed musician. Um, but they're all about music and all about music of black origin. Um, so I'm hearing a lot of blues and jazz <laughs> the last few weeks, and that's fine with me. I mean, I was I was surprised from the get go of the Soul review that you hadn't mentioned Whiplash again. <laughs> yeah, there was one review I saw on Letterboxd where someone said, um, "Oh, I can't I can't remember the exact uh, the exact thing. I'll have to paraphrase, but it was something along the lines of like, um, my favorite part of this movie was when Dorothea threw a symbol at Joe and said, "Not quite <laughs> my tempo." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it so, was. Um... One of the uh, members of the 
Mute City Driving uh, podcast, uh, our uh, overlords, that um, tweeted, I can't remember who it was, uh, Kenzie, perhaps, who tweeted, um, like, uh, Damon Gis- Giselle must be gutted he didn't make so. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, should we get into the yeah, I was gonna say, let's move on to narrative science? Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, I guess I'll start. And I'll say that, um, you know, and this is not uh, to... I think, I'll say, I think... Hmm. <laughs> Compared to a lot of... This is not necessarily a typical Pixar film and that I feel like it does not uh, appeal most or maybe it's not going to be enjoyed to the fullest extent by its target audience uh, being children. You know, it's a Pixar film. Um, I feel like the the questions of, uh, to a degree, morality, but more um, feeling included and feeling purposeful and and almost questions as much about purpose and and even the meaning of life um, are not going to be truly enjoyed by by kids I think uh, and I guess um, that maybe puts it on a, a level of slight, slightly more uh, you know I hate to sound kind of gatekeeperish but it kind of has a bit of a higher intellectual standing perhaps than um, uh, you know a lot of films that are in the animated genre uh, obviously animated films generally appealing to kids um, and I think maybe mm. for me uh, personally I, I haven't connected as much to and, and, and I think Pixar are good at that. Uh, they're good at uh, putting important messages and, and deeper messages into their, their films. But I personally have not been on board as much with the more recent Pixar films to the degree that other people have. Um, and I, I think when you're looking back, for me, when I'm looking back at their kind of Hall of Fame work, uh, the Wallies of the world and, 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 and such, Toy Story and Finding Nemo, not so much Finding Nemo, but you know, Wally's the strongest one, um, where it seems to to promote those those more adult uh, messages and questions and and invoke emotion on a, on a maybe slightly deeper level. Uh, and I think that what they did so well back then, with the exception of maybe Coco, they've not done so well in in more recent films. Um, and I thought I thought that they they really excelled from a narrative point of view of instilling such an, a strong set of, of kind of philosophical questions i guess um so i thought that was quite strong i thought that was quite a, a positive yeah i mean i agree i think i mean you mentioned about how perhaps it's a bit more intellectually stimulating and sort of thought-provoking uh that maybe you know children maybe wouldn't engage to the same degree as they would with films like i don't know cars or i don't know just you know the, the films that you would expect to be more you would what I said onward because that, that I haven't seen it. But oh, onward! Appeal. I thought you said I would. I was like, yeah, what? Oh, um, no, no. yeah, yeah. So just th- things like that. And I mean, it's interesting though because you say that, but then you also think about films. You know, going back, you know, years now, like The Incredibles, the first one, which for me is, mm-hmm. is uh, spoilers for my <laughs> spoilers for my soul score, uh, which is still my favorite um, Pixar film, and. That's you know that that has such adult parent mature themes in it about like the role of a parent and how you know how parents should bring up their children you know mm. and and just a whole bunch of different things like 
different themes that you wouldn't necessarily associate with children's films. But for me, that's why that film is so good, because it can be appreciated to a great degree by both, you know, parents and children and, you know, adults who don't have children and and just, I mean, Soul was was in a similar vein, really, bringing on those really, you know, meaningful and interesting conversations about various issues. But at the same time, you know, it still has moments of great comedy and, and whether that be visual comedy, physical comedy, dialogue, um, situational comedy, just, just really interesting mix of um, sort of more interesting and, and deeper conversations with with the comedy and also as well i mean a lot of a lot of kids films the comedy that's for adults is always just oh it's comedy that children won't understand because it references you know sexual things or it's stupid jokes which you know children will go over children's or heads which reference. adults will yeah yeah or jokes which will go over children's heads and will make adults chuckle for a split second and then you know they'll go back to just mm-hmm. kind of passively watching the film and for me so that's, that's where Pixar is really thriving at the moment because they're presenting really engaging and sort of thought-provoking issues which you know are presented for the most part in still accessible ways for children and it doesn't show children like they're stupid as well though which I think a lot of films can can do yeah I think can, um as I say, I think no, no, that the, uh, the, that you know that when you're talking about the the best of Pixar, I think it'd be unfair to say that this is Pixar back at their best because it implies that it was like a big slump, and that there hasn't been. They have been mm-hmm. probably the most consistent producer of films of any studio, probably. Um, I think you know, saying back at the, you know, I th- when I say Pixar are back at their best. Um, I think it, you know, even though I think Coco is is up there, and that was only a few years ago. Um, but in general, the trend has been, I think, that when they almost settle on on not going for those messages or not having, you know, this kind of, you know, f- focusing on, on morals, um, they, they produce some maybe slightly lower quality films. I think of the likes of Cars Three or The Incredibles Two or mm-hmm. Monster University and you know, all the sequels. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing up, or you know, maybe you know, controversially, Inside Out. Um, those films, I think, are a little bit low, below the, the level that they they can be up to because they they do uh, ignore those messages to a degree. I think uh, in name of, of just making a coherent and enjoyable film that maybe suits kids, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes from a personal point of view, I think that when they really step into those and, and really explore concepts, um, you know, like that, what what Willie does. Uh, you know the, the concept of the human condition and, and the impact of nostalgia and all those, those things it does and, and, and what's, of course what Toy Story does and things like that I think that's when they really excel um, and I think this is an example again that when they embrace those maturer subjects that really pays off for them Oh yeah I agree 100% and I think as well you mentioned about how this is kind of almost I don't know yeah I agree to some extent you, you, like how there's like some films where it feels like they're kind of shying away from that and tailoring to sort of more what kind of what an audience expects of a kids film I guess but I mean I guess that's changing with 
I mean, it's, it's interesting as well because obviously Pixar kind of being the big studio they are, it's almost like, in a way, in a way they're kind of changing. Like, the, the films they put out, are ultimately, that's going to be a massive driving force in what people expect from a children's film. And so, I mean, they can kind of... That's interesting, actually, because you mentioned about... Um, mm-hmm. Incredibles 2 and Cars 3, Monster University and uh, Inside Out and so on. And and films like that where perhaps the themes aren't as, you know, in-depth and aren't as maybe mature um, compared to Uh, some other films. I think people would argue with Inside Out because it has questions about, you know, emotions and the mental state and stuff. But I felt like that came across in a lot more of a basic view. Uh, I think as a way more of a, a my first kind of the kind of thing i think you know it, it's a bit more uh, surface level perhaps so that, that's just my thing but yeah um, but yeah i mean it's just yeah. because what, what was what my, what my point i was trying to make was basically how it's interesting because pick like pixar it feels like in the in some of those films pixar are kind of going back towards you know what audience expect from from children's films but then at the end of the day whatever they put out is going to be what audiences expect from children's films and you know when they do go towards those more mature mature themes like you know the incredibles which was a long time ago but you know going back to that in terms of recent films toy story 4 coco and now soul i think you know as we move forward over the next five ten years um you know audiences are gonna maybe it will become more of a norm i guess for and we've seen that over over studios as well um not just pixar but um yeah audiences expecting sort of more stimulating and challenging themes and characters and another big thing as well which we've not even talked about yet is uh, is representation we obviously we've seen that with coco mm-hmm. with a lot of the shorts mm-hmm. that have been coming out and, and now this it's it's very interesting and and you know very important that uh different stories are being told and i talked about this in the last episode i think it was the episode before uh the, the project with the the pan africa project with one of the uh african uh, uh, animation studios which I'm still very very excited to see because yeah just different stories and um, just different perspectives being presented through animation and obviously we've, we've been a, there's been a big discussion recently about you know the role that animated films can play and the messages that, that are presented in some of the older animated films it's nice to see some some different perspectives and different stories being told in, in animation. Yeah, I, I agree with the point of representation and uh, this is not in any way just diminishing uh, the important stories and, and, and matters of, of um, political activism that need to be discussed. However, it almost is refreshing um, that um, that the, it was just a film which happened to have a black uh, lead and, and a bunch of, of supporting characters that were black. Yeah. Um, that that you know just showing that you know it's it doesn't feel like especially with these big companies uh, like Disney you know it, it sometimes it feels very for like it's like they're mm-hmm. just doing it to because they have to rather than they they would willingly go for it it feels almost like uh, sometimes that, 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 that it's not true but I think the the fact that um, almost the fact that they've they've cast black actors and and they've used black characters that could have you know hypothetically been performed by by white roles and it would have been you know the same film uh, shows like a willingness to consider 
uh, a wider range of, of actors of the part and and not to discriminate uh, in you know in in their their filmmaking. So I think that's a very positive sort uh, of sign. Obviously, Disney uh, throughout the history have slacked on that. Um, I think that would be you know naive to us to say otherwise, right? Throughout the history, you yeah. know, they they have. Um, and yeah, it shows a, a good, a very strong, um, a very positive uh, direction uh, of step in the right direction. Really. Well, I mean, you mentioned a good point now because I was just going to say this before we actually mentioned this. You said about how you know, it could have been played by a white, it could have been a white character and, and such, and it wouldn't have necessarily been a different film. I think what the point I was going to make just before you said that was how it kind of, yeah, it didn't feel like it was you know, virtue signaling or whatever you want to call it, it didn't feel like it was forced in any way. It kind of felt, you know, if anything, the message that was being presented in the film was universal and it felt like that the, the main focus of the film was, you know, this one character and the universal sort of themes and messages. It didn't feel like it was trying to, you know, be in your face or, you know, Disney have had criticism over the past couple of years with films they brought out, um... A bunch of different uh, issues, whether it be, you know, racism or you know, r- racial issues or gender issues or whatever it may be, and this film felt very much like a natural presentation mm-hmm. and uh, and a way which made the themes it was trying to present, you know, genuine and authentic. Because the whole point of the film is to show, you know, the universal um, kind of. The, the idea of nature of music. the meaning of life and stuff yeah mm, and so it kind of yeah, felt yeah. like it was it kind of felt appropriate really that that's the the approach they took with the film mm-hmm. yeah uh, i think um there are a number of moments throughout the film that i was genuinely surprised at um there were plot twists that i throughout the film that i didn't expect and i think again you know i guess all animated films have to deal with the um, kind of the, the 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 stereotype that they're just for kids, um, and you know they're going to be super basic. But I was I'm not going to talk directly about what actually happens, but especially when kind of re-entering the human world for the first time, maybe that f- you know the, the the plot twist that occurs there may have been obvious for to a lot of people. For me, I wasn't. A lot of the events that happened later on in the film, I did, wasn't prepared for and didn't expect. Uh, yeah. But I thought, yeah, when it comes to uh, to a complete just narrative point of view, not when it comes to to how the characters are written, but just from a complete narrative point of view, I thought it was um, an engaging story that that managed to to surprise me on a number of occasions. Uh, when it comes to screenwriting, I thought that the characters were extremely believable, uh, very likable. I think you know, as I've, I've said it over and over, I think the strongest part of um, screenwriting is writing characters that that make you arrive uh, ride arrive at the conclusion they want you to without you feeling like it was forced down your throat. I feel like you feel like you naturally come to a conclusion at liking and disliking a number of the main characters. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that um, yeah, so the, the dialogue, you know, it really felt like an actual human being um, and his emotion was uh, very clear and, and thing. And I think the relationships that he has with, with other, with other people, especially his family members, um, it, you know, it feels uh, heartfelt and um, true. It felt like uh, it could be, you know, the the, the uh, docu- you know, the writings of a real person. Um, yeah, I, I I thought that from that kind of point of view, an- another A plus tick for me on it on the screenwriting and narrative points of view. Yeah, in terms of like the twist you mentioned as well. I mean, 
the one about the re-entering the human world was even surprised me and I'd seen trailers so yeah that was that was a nice like pleasant surprise I think as well is that going into this film and what I got out of it was not in a negative way but it's not what I expected from the film I thought the whole film was going to be him trying mm-hmm. to get back to the human world and that would be the conclusion you know he gets back and it's all fine I and yeah, it's not what not what happens, not what we got. But uh, what we did get, I was very very impressed by. Uh, it allowed for you know a lot of uh, presentation of very interesting uh, messages and exploring different areas of, of like human life and human nature and stuff. Um, yeah, it was not what I expected at all, but very very you know positive still very. Um, yeah, just very engaging story. And one thing I will say as well is, uh, I don't know if you'd agree, but I actually didn't like the ending. Like, I did like it, but I don't, I mean, I don't know if we're going to, are we going to do a spoiler section? Because I can save this for the spoiler section if we're going to do a spoiler section. Um, yeah, we could do a spoiler section. Okay. Yeah, we could I'll, do a spoiler I'll, section. I'll, I'll, sure. I'll wait then. Yeah. Oh, well, I... I did like the ending. Um, uh, I guess we'll wait till till then to to get to, to exactly that, and that that was going to follow. Like, I guess that follows on to, to my next point, um, which is: there any is there anything that strong in the film that you would definitely say you disliked? Um, other than the ending, was there anything else in the film that you could say like, oh, that was a dislike for me? Uh, one thing, well, one thing I forgot to actually mention, and this is a positive before I talk about any negatives. Uh, oh, okay. The editing, and I've talked about edit, editing already, and how. Tightly and sort of pleasantly edited, it was. I think there was a flashback sequence, uh, which made me quite. Uh, I think someone must have been chopping onions or something. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, shed a few tears, and by a few, I probably mean about hundred. Um, I don't know if <laughs> did, you, did you cry at any point? Uh, I got a bit teary at the end. When the film ended, I had it was a bit teary. I didn't outright cry, but I had to wipe some water from my from my lids. Yeah, it, it I made me cry. There was a flashback sequence which made me cry. Um, it's now been subsequently added to my films that made me cry list on <laughs> on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, Baby Tooth's in that one three times. Man. Three times. Twi- oh. Twice or three times. Twice. I need to, I'd love to watch that. I'm, I'm excited to watch that on, on New Year's Eve. Uh, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of negatives, I'm trying to think if there's anything that stood out to me. Like, I don't even know. I can't. I honestly, it's one of those films, right? Where, again, I talked about this before with other films, and we've said I wouldn't change anything. But, and then I don't know. I, I genuinely, other than like, well, I'll wait till the spoiler section to talk about my my kind of slight gripe with the ending it's not like a massive film defining you know it's a 2 out of 5 because the ending was awful like other films have been such as mm-hmm. <clears throat> Rise of Skywalker um, but yeah it's not good that show <laughs> one day one day if we're good enough, if we're like big enough to like say we say we blow up one day right everyone loves JL the JL fever in the streets of, of, of London yeah. Um, and we had, like had a Patreon and something like a Patreon stretch goal could be like me and you review Rise of Skywalker and just fucking fight. Just like we just get boxing gloves and just fight. We should just do it. We should just do a, a Star Wars. Watch all the Star Wars films and like discuss. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then I just get really angry when I see other films I really like films. Uh, okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, honestly, yes. I, okay. Have you got any negatives? Because I, I am struggling. I, I mean, the animation was beautiful. The soundtrack, the score was great. The voice acting was amazing. I the, don't dislike the, the the ending. So my negatives are even less than your negatives. I have no negatives. Does that give us no a negatives. spoiler for my rating? My, spoiler no for my negatives. rating. My rating. My rating is ten. I'm giving this a ten. By the way, okay. I don't know if you're okay. prepared for that. So yeah, there's no negatives. I don't think you can make. I don't think you're going to give this a ten. To, say that. to be honest. Okay, I'm gonna give this a ten. But I think okay. this is up there for my films of the year. So, right, we're gonna yeah. let's move into the spoilers category. So, okay, so spoiler wall. Let I need to remember to do this in editing. Um, yeah, spoiler wall. Okay, okay. What are we doing with so? So, so what's your problem with the ending? Then? Okay, right. So, <laughs> right. So, so, I'm assuming the people who are listening don't care about spoilers. Well, obviously they don't. Or it's on Disney Plus, boys. Yeah. So okay, right. End of the film. Obviously, we got we get Joe. He's he's he's, uh, he's figured out. Twenty two. He's figured out. You know, got the Earth pass, going down, and then Joe's like, "You need to go." Right. So that was such like that was like a character defining moment for me of the film. Right. Yeah. Joe gives up the chance. He sends a new soul on its way, and then. I mean, it, okay, this is going back to the cliche now that they've talked about for the past 20 minutes. It's a kid's film, okay? So, in a yeah. way, it kind of feels wrong like it had to. for him to, you know, go off into the endless void. However, yeah, I mean, it probably had to, given that it's a, kid, given that it's a quote-unquote kid's film. However, mm. I feel like the we're giving you another chance ending was the wrong turn. Personally, I think what should have happened is he should have stayed in the soul world as like a mentor for other souls who like was were struggling. Like yeah. it would have felt like a more apt ending for me personally, given the events of the film. Mm. He's kind of come to terms accepting, you know, he's died. It's a, it's unfortunate, it's sad. However, I don't know. That was just one thing I thought, like... If you don't do that, then he literally dies at his piano. What do you mean? Because he was playing his piano when he when he left the world, didn't he? Was he playing his piano? Or did he get on... Was it in the subway? I can't remember. Um, Where was he when, he when he left his body for the last time? He plays the piano in his house to go back into the soul yeah, world, right? that was it. Yeah, he just dies face down on his piano. I mean, yeah, also that would be kind of weird. But, I mean, d- yeah. I don't know. I, I do get your point. Uh, also, I another that. gripe I had with the film. Okay, actually, no, I'll, let you, I'll let you speak first. <laughs> I was going to say, I do understand what your point you had. Um, and I think, yeah, that the, the both sides, yeah, it's a kid's film, so they kind of have to. And also, it's a bit of a get out of jail free card. Um, yeah, I do see that. And I think the mentor idea is probably is a little bit better. Uh, I didn't think about that until now. Um, but part of me says that, like, the attachment we get to him, it's like the situation he's in, it's like it almost feels like. Yeah. I like the character so much yeah. of Joe. I felt like almost as like I was prepared to maybe give up a bit of narrative, uh, you know, it's intelligent space for some kind of uh, just soul food of just knowing mm-hmm. that he's happy in his life. And yeah, maybe that's a personal thing. Uh, so yeah, I guess narratively it probably is a little bit weak to do that. But I think, yeah, keeping my kid audience and, and basically what I wanted at the end of the film, I guess I'm okay with it, maybe a bit more than you are. But yeah, I can see your issue. 
I'm also glad they didn't do the whole Joe meets the person whose soul was in the body of this person and they just yeah. happen to meet and then, yeah. I'm glad they didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, one other negative thing I just re- remembered that I had an issue with, kind of, was, I mean, again, it falls under the it's a kid's film, kind of forget about it category. However, yeah, I mean, this is coming from a 22-year-old so, uh, who's trying to analyse a film, is it's kind of mm-hmm. unclear what the rules are on the soul in human body like soul in like what's what's the what's the rules what's the what's the rules explain tenet style well because the thing is is how does he's not catching he's not shooting the soul he's catching the soul (laughs) how does graham norton's character speak to the cat Uh, i think because he's like so tapped into the soul world mentally and that's what i was i think that's the excuse i had but like I mean, it was just, it was kind of unclear at what point you can, because it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like made clear that you can go into the soul world if you know about the soul world, because Graham Norton does that, but then, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, it was kind of one of those things where I was like questioning the laws of soul, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll just yeah. kind of give it a bit of forgiveness on that front, because... Yeah, I mean the premise itself. It obviously works far better in animated form than it would in live action, and mm-hmm. it works better as a kids' film, which has some elements of existentialism than a Charlie Kaufman film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, I I this is a point that I should have said in the non-spoiler section, but I, I forgot to. But I haven't really we haven't really said about how fucking funny this film is. Like, yeah, it's yeah, genuinely really, really funny, and obviously always happy to see the Knicks get a, a little bit, a little bit of a, a the piss taken out of them there with the <laughs> uh, Doris Burke and the, and, and the 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 dunk missing. But uh, yeah, throughout the film, just really, really consistently funny. The the the, the cat character, you know, it's kind of swap bodies and and thing an animal, you know, kind of the fly style. It's not a new concept, but it's done really well, and it was really, really funny. And you know, this idea of like an unborn human. Yeah, I didn't expect it at all. Didn't expect it at all. I was really sure. I thought that the whole thing was that twenty two was going to be the cat, and that'd be like really funny. But then, no, it's yeah. the opposite. It kind of it yeah. kind of flipped it on its head though, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it set up obviously sets up in the in the third act the the interesting sort of the the dilemma at the end of the film with uh, with twenty two kind of refusing to leave and and so on, which mm-hmm. was really interesting. So that yeah, that, I'm I'm glad they didn't do the. The, the cat thing with 22 and you know Joe go back in and um, yeah I mean overall very positive uh, a couple of minor qualms aside whether it be about the ending of the film or the logic of <laughs> the logic of this bizarre film which you know doesn't even necessarily you know make much sense in terms of you know you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. yeah I think very very glowing reviews from the two of us you've given it a 10 I was looking at my Pixar scores um, yesterday or whenever it was I watched the film bef- you know when I was trying to decide on what score I was going to give this and I was thinking it's so it's so close to a perfect 10 um, that I don't know I'm kind of in that middle ground on, on Letterboxd because I give 5 stars to films that aren't a perfect 10 mm-hmm. um, it's so hard to place it it's definitely in my top four p- 
Pixar films. So that puts it above the likes of Toy Story 3 and Ratatouille, and among the likes of The Incredibles, Coco, and Toy Story 4, which controversial, which controversially, uh, I've currently got a number three. I think I've got Toy Story 4 as a five star, but I also don't think it's. I think I probably overrated it when I first watched it. When it comes to Pixar I mean, films, actually, I'm an idiot. Like, I'm an idiot. Right. I'm an idiot because oh no, no, I'm not. I think I think I was gonna yeah, say because I've got this. I've, if if this is above Toy Story three, it has to be a five star. But then I yeah the, the, no it's it's it, the the issue is whether I place it above or below Toy Story four, which then dictates whether it's a five or a four and a half. But it's like a nine and a half or a ten out of ten. <laughs> if mm-hmm. that's uh yeah, I mean yeah. it's high praise for me when it comes to twenty twenty. I've got my twenty twenty rank list, um, and the films the I know it's below. A Parasite and Baby Teeth. Obviously, Parasite came out in 2019, but it's 2020 in the UK. It came out at the start of 2020. So, Parasite and Baby Teeth are above Soul. Everything else is a maybe. Like, I, I've got it right now above Jojo Rabbit in 1917. And, like, that, it could shift down two places, but it might not. It could be third. It could be fifth. It's in that range. Yeah, I think... Hmm. I think it's... For me, it's... Below Parasite, below Tenet, below Jojo Rabbit, below 1917. Then it's a toss-up of whether it's above Uncut Gems or Lighthouse. Probably is. So it's probably like sitting in fifth place. But out of 2020, mm. it like out, if you're looking at this from like an American perspective of 2020 releases, that means it's second behind Tenet. So, yeah, very high praise, yeah, especially yeah, for given me, how much I like that film. If you're just doing 2020 releases in the US perspective, mine is definitely second. Like, there's, there's like massively above. The, like, th- like, third would be Tenet, which is like a distance behind Soul for me. Third so. for me would be Invisible Man, and fourth, Ammonite. Fifth, I'm thinking of ending things, which it's above for sure. So, yeah. It's probably five star, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just going to say it now. Invisible Man, who one of our other overlords, Ricky Valera, ranked as his most disappointing film of the year. Well,. That's wrong. I'm coming for you <laughs> on those whiskeys. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I quite like the original one. Um, yeah. So Soul really is that good. Full stop. Soul really is that good. It's a film full of Man. soul. It's a film full of soul. In multiple and... ways. So I give it a 10. Uh, you give it a 9.5 or a 10. You're, you're I'm going to go 10. Just a 10. 10. 10, let's go, boy. That's the first 10 you've given out on the National Podcast, I think. Is it? I think so. I've given out three. Well, no, no, because if... No, no, because I've got Soul Below Tenet, so that means Tenet would necessarily now be a 10. Yeah, but on the podcast... Oh, on the podcast, I yeah. gave out... I've given on out Whiplash pod- as a 10, and I've you given are, out yeah, Whiplash is a 10 for me, so yeah. And Soul is a... Yeah, but you didn't review Whiplash. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. So on the on the podcast, this is the first time you've said I'm going to give it a ten. Um, it's the third time I've said that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no no no! The I'm going to give. Was, of course, I was a ten. <laughs> Bill and Ted, arguably a ten. Um, yes. So very very high price to sell. Um, uh, yes, yeah, certainly I recommend anyone to watch it on Disney Plus. Um, and yes, yeah, certainly didn't get to see it in cinemas, but I'm very interested in seeing how it does at the Oscars. Um, and, and of course the other award shows that I'll pretend to care about like the Golden Globes um, so oh, I'm yeah, going to subsequently moved with no I was just saying I subsequently huh? moved Citizen Kane Citizen Kane was also a 10 but I think on oh, the okay. podcast I yeah. gave it a 9.5 but I think I gave it a 10 in the end oh yeah I gave so it a 10 two. as well 
Yeah, two yeah, tens. So I gave, I've given four films a ten. Okay, so I um, so I, I think we haven't got a quiz, but I'm going to ask you a little follow up question, and sure. uh, you can go get your your list up if you like. But I want to uh-huh. know that as of right now, um, yeah. from the current releases that are that exist, if you mm-hmm. may were to commission a sequel. Yeah. To any Pixar film, including films that already have sequels, so you could have an Incredibles three or a Toy Story five or a Finding Nemo three. If you had to make, if you could make, you had to make a sequel for any film in the Pixar universe in the Pixar franchise. Oh, in Pixar, what would you go for? Pixar. Well, the thing is, they've said they're not making sequels, so it's kind of a redundant question. But yeah, if you did, if, oh, if you I were, made one, okay, you can choose. So it's not what you think or not. Is what this you, if I, okay? Okay, question. Am I making the sequel mm-hmm. myself, or is am I wanting Pixar to make it? Pixar are making it. Pixar are making because it. Because Pixar making it. You get the choice. And I get to choose. You get to pick it. So if you can say, you can say, Pixar, you, I command that you put all your effort and all your best animators and everyone best that you can into making up to, or, or into making Finding Nemo, Nemo 3, you have that opportunity. If you were to make a sequel to anyone, which would you go for? Incredibles probably. Incredibles three. I think that works very well. You know, they're set up for a three. Um, a ship, the ship is sailed a lot of them. Please, uh, uh, please undo the mess of Incredibles two. <laughs> you know what Incredibles two? It was me. It was me. It was. It was good. It was good. It was. It was an average Pixar film, and I don't like half the character, half the story. Or characters, or the progression of of the universe. I don't like how it, it was very obvious the, the, first the end. Yeah, it rehashed the first film though. Yeah, it did. They just yeah. spent the they spent the whole first film talking about how superheroes are not trusted anymore, and we need to, you know, blah blah blah. blah. And then the second film is just the same thing. <laughs> they say like mm. they save the day. End of the first film. Then the second film, it's like the exact same. Nothing's changed. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like it. I, did, I was had such high hopes, and yeah, I mean, Toy Story is a franchise which, for me, many people will disagree with this. Where every film is better than the last film, unlike Shrek, which, apart from Shrek Two, gets worse with <laughs> the film. Um, yes. So I, agree I, I don't. But then Toy Story, I think, is nicely wrapped up now uh, in a toy mm. box. <laughs> um. Doesn't uh, yeah, D- please just leave Toy Story. I think I don't know. It's, it's like hard because I think a lot of the films now, especially since they've kind of outwardly said sequels, so we're moving away from sequels, moving towards original stories. I think I mean with the slate they've announced as well, all originals. I think a bunch of the films that they have done recently, like Inside Out, Onward, um, uh, even Soul and Coco. I think, I kind of the way they end and conclude is, you know, it, it kind of yeah. it's kind of almost more suitable that they don't have a sequel. So you kind of imagine mm-hmm. what happens after the film finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Toy Story three kind of did that. Toy Story four for me was better than Toy Story three, and you know, I kind of didn't want a sequel to Toy Story three. So you never know. But I think yeah, yeah, me too. From a personal yeah. perspective, uh, I would say yeah, Incredibles. 
other than that, I don't know. Have you got any other ideas? Like maybe Monsters Inc., but I don't know. I wasn't a massive fan of Monsters University. Um, I've not seen Monster University, but, but if you're talking sequels, then yeah. But yeah, I think for me, you know, I've, there's risks ruining ruining probably my my favorite Pixar film. I, mean, I don't know. It's, actually, it's between this and Finding Nemo, but it kind of risks ruining the the the, the kind of the the strength of it. But I quite like the idea of seeing um, a continuation of trying to go back to Earth and sort out Earth in the follow-on from Wally. Um, because I, I just think that there's potential there, and I love the nostalgia of Wally, um, and 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 dealing with that 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 kind of space world and, and trying to sort themselves out. So, yeah, I think I'd probably pick Wally, but obviously there's always the risk of, of ruining or something that's so perfect. But yeah, that's what I really I go for. Yeah, that's a good choice as well. I, I don't uh, know what they would where they would go with it, but yeah, it would be interesting to see if they did. I, I didn't dislike The Incredibles too. I thought it was. You know there is problems with it, and it doesn't have any great message. But I thought it was a generally entertaining film. Um, but other than yeah. you know, I would say that I think you know when you're looking comparing um, Pixar to, to to any other kind of production house or anything, you know, you're comparing it to if you compare it to, to things like Star Wars, you know, Lucasfilm. It's such a tight knit like group of of a, such a specific output right is that only make the same kind of films so you have a limit to how good like and how inventive that can be or when you compare it to someone bigger like a uh, universal like it's so many films that it's gonna have some shit um, so they're in a kind of perfect point where they have the creative freedom uh, yet they don't have the the kind of output that's gonna water it down mm-hmm. but uh, partly because of that i think i would say that you know pixar i've, I've got to be the most consistent uh producer of film ever just i've seen almost all the pixar films and the only one i can say i think was a bad film with cars 2 that's insanely good the spy one yes i thought the monsters university was kind of average but everything else above that so that's only even that's average that's not even bad everything else is above average for me that's pretty good that's pretty damn good oh they're doing i forgot about this they're doing a Buzz Lightyear prequel. Yes, of course they are. Yes, with uh, Chris Evans. So, I mean, that's. I mean, you said sequel, so I guess. Yeah. Like, what? So, what? What films do Pixar have coming out soon? They have Luca, right, which is the Italian mm-hmm. film, and then there's another film, right? Oh, no, uh, it's not. It's not Pixar. It's just Disney. Um, yeah. Raven the Last Dragon, but it's that's just a Disney film. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, they've yeah, got something else coming out. According to Letterbox, they've got something else coming out in twenty twenty three, but they haven't announced it yet. Okay. Uh, Pixar.com yeah, so... says they've got a film called Turning Red, which is twenty twenty. Oh, is that a film? I don't know. That's a film. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah I don't know what that is though. We were talking about Letterbox a lot on this podcast um, and if anyone doesn't know it's like social media for films you know you rate your films and shit and I, I did notice that um, that uh, Soul is currently in the top 200 it's currently the 183rd highest rated film on, in Letterboxd out of every single film in history how has it fallen 2020? how has it fallen 2020? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me check it's got to be Highest rated for like averaged out by yeah it's the highest rated film twenty twenty. Okay, yeah I'm not surprised. Yeah, Tenet and then Ma Rainey after it and then Dick Johnson's dead. All of which we've talked about in this podcast. Wait, really? 
Oh, rate average first. I've just gone. I've just gone by my rating. That's why I was really surprised by that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm gonna say. <laughs> the thing is, the thing like, is really? more though is that if you sort by average rating, it has to do like the Taylor Swift documentaries in there. Okay, like so of, of actual f- of actual films, I think Minari uh, and Nomadland are the only ones above it. So it's third, I think. Um, David Burns' American Utopia is like a filmed version of a theatre thing that's above it, but yeah, it's not really a film. Hamilton yeah, so yeah, I'm not counting that. Or Hamilton, yeah, I'm not counting Nomadland is second, then right. Yeah, so no, that's second. So it's, it's the third because there's a lot of TV shows and stuff like Queen's Gambit and Normal People and stuff. But... And Euphoria, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, fucking hell, I didn't realize Tenet was that light. I thought Tenet was quite hated, but yeah, because my ranks. No, um, I think yeah, that's why it's, that's why I'm thinking. Well, the thing, the thing with Soul is like it's one of the films that everyone can get behind. Is that like, universally going to be like? There's not going to be many people who are like this film is bad. <laughs> Whereas like mm. films like Tenet and. I'm thinking about new things and stuff like that are very niche, I guess. At least somewhat niche. More yeah, niche I'm thinking of new things obviously divides opinion and will continue to do so um, because of how mm-hmm. kind of different it is. Wolfwalkers is not far behind Soul, though. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, yeah, you had a bit cut out there. But yeah, Wolfwalkers to... is very close behind Soul. Oh, really? Uh huh. So what's Soul 4.2? Yeah. Wolfwalkers is 4.1. Mm, exciting and I'll already be talking about that film next week as I aim to get through all of the uh, animated nods um, mm-hmm. but yeah that about wraps it up for Sal um, very interesting uh, one of the, my highest ranked films of the year uh, one of the best films of, my year, of the year uh, for me and um, yeah I think my first lock for an Oscar pick um, and yeah so unanimously quite liked by us and I think that just about wraps it up for everything on this podcast. Uh, I don't know if we'll be coming next year with a special um, or we'll be maybe looking at a bunch of new films that are coming out over the year, over the new year. Um, but thank you for spending a large percentage of your 2020 with us. Uh, we've enjoyed every moment of recording it and watching the films that record, require us to record. Um, and uh, yeah, so thanks for everything. And moving into the plugs, um, if you like the podcast, the best way you can support it is by giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, that helps to go up the rankings. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Sam H Media. If you want to follow Jordan on Twitter, it's by Jordan Luke. If you want to get him on Letterboxd, it's the same thing, by Jordan Luke. If you want to get me on Letterboxd, it's Sam Houston. If you want to follow the pod on Twitter, it's at now showing film. If you want to get the pod on directly, contact me. Uh, if any sponsors out there, which I'm sure there are hundreds piling up it's at now showing pod at gmail.com and look out for the fighting direct podcast that will be coming through my twitter in the coming weeks as we look into the new year and the start of the mma calendar thank you very much for listening everybody and we'll see you next time see you next time guys thank you